Do you know what your problem is? Your problem is you don't know what the goal is. And by the way, there is only one goal, no matter what the company. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Hey, Nat. This is uh, going to be a fun episode. This is going to be a fun episode. I'm excited to dive in. We are here today talking about the goal, a process of ongoing improvement by, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but I think it's Eliyahu M. Goldratt. Yeah, that's close enough. Yeah. yeah, close enough. Yeah. Hopefully close enough. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, this book's really interesting. It's also really simple at, at one level, which, you know, from that introductory quote, you can probably gather, but I don't think you said in the quote what the actual goal is. Well, right? yeah. So, I mean, first off, we <laughs> should say... Let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I mean, this is kind of a different book for us, yeah. right? Yeah. Where this is the first novel that we're doing, where technically it's a novel. It's it's not really, you know, meant to be like a high literature novel. Right. We're not it's not war and peace here. Yeah, really. it's not like complex character arcs. <laughs> we're really not spoiling anything, uh, even if we give away the ending. It's written as a novel by Goldrot, who is sort of this really famous business guru operations expert from the late 90s. And he basically wrote this book to introduce his idea of the theory of constraints, which is a process for improving output, mostly in factories, but it's been applied pretty much everywhere else. And I mean, this book is insanely popular. It's sold over 6 million copies. It's probably one of the best-selling business books of all time. And it also doesn't feel like a business book as you're reading. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's what I was thinking about reading it is because I kept wondering, you know, why is this a novel? Why is this a novel? Why is this a novel? And I think it's actually an amazing way for it to be extremely approachable and usable for somebody at like any level of a company. Because this concept could be very dry if it was like done in like a series of equations and like. I don't know, like theorems and like, right. like I could see it selling six copies, not six million <laughs> copies, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could compress <laughs> the main ideas of the theory of constraints to like a few page document yeah. with well, a couple examples and most people would probably get it, but, but maybe not enough to apply it, not enough to apply it and not enough to have the same, I guess, like framework to set it in. Because the nice thing about the way the book is structured is so basically the book starts out with the protagonist is, you know, he's the manager of this local factory and it's way behind on all of its deadlines. They're losing money. They're going to get shut down in three months. He's got three months to turn it around. And even before we go on from there, just like the way they're behind is so relatable where it's like they fall behind in that one order. Like the boss comes screaming and is like, it's like, hey, where's this order? The customer's yelling at me. So then everybody drops everything to work on this one order. Which makes they, everything else late. Right, but they yeah. do get it out the door. Right. And everyone's like, wait, wait, this is not how to run it. Like everybody's <laughs> in agreement. Like this is, you can't run a company this way. Yeah. But every company, at least like every company I've ever been a part of has at some point in time, like, and every team even, not even company, like taking it out of a business standpoint, like even in school, if you have like projects and stuff, like I felt that scramble in so many different areas of life where it's like the deadline's coming up and like, we need to hurry up and do this thing. And and we should mention too that the meta theory here, right there, like the meta idea, this theory of constraints, uh, we're talking about it in the context of business and manufacturing, but it applies to almost everything, right? Where once, once you see it and you get it, you kind of see it in your, your personal life. You can see it in relationships. You can see it in happiness, productivity, anything that's a system. Yeah. Any system really pretty much like everything. everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything with multiple variables and like, yeah, any kind of like multivariable problem, which right. is like pretty much any human or real life oh, thing yeah. is a multivariable problem. You can apply it on just like a very micro level with your own work and your own day. And yep. then you can also apply it to any team you're working on and yep. project you're working on. There's always somewhere that this will become relevant, which is kind of how I stumbled on the book oh, okay. because I was 
uh, I was sort of at this like weekend retreat thing with some other guys. And one of them just kept talking about the book and he is shout out to Zach. We'll, we'll have to link to him. Uh, <laughs> and he, you know, he kept mentioning things that were happening in our environment and like pointing out the constraints in the systems. Mm. Right. And so he was able to do that, like at the coffee shop and, you know, like making dinner and like waiting in line to get food. Yep. And then like whenever people would talk about business stuff, you know, he could point it out there. And I was sort of like, all right, this is kind of a cool underlying theory that he's able to see in a lot of places. And it reminded me a lot of anti-fragile. Right. I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where once you get that core concept of anti-fragility. You see it. Episode one. Yeah. Yep. You, you start to see, episode one. <laughs> go listen to it. <laughs> you start to see it everywhere. Right. And so that's when I was like, all right, I need to go read this book. Yeah. Right. And then I did. And I guess you had already read it a few years ago. Yeah. I read it right after graduation. And uh, like I studied chemical engineering. And it's kind of amazing that this book is not assigned reading in that uh, major because so much of what we did was like manufacturing related and related to the idea of constraints and like where the bottlenecks are in a process. Mm. And like, I feel like I spent multiple years doing flow diagrams, <laughs> which is literally what this book is talking about, yeah, but exactly. in a much more understandable way than how it was ever taught in school. Um, so yeah, I wish like, and if there are any chemical engineering professors listening to this, like assign, assign <laughs> this book because it like ties together so many things that like we talked about, but never quite like, at least for me, never quite clicked until yeah. I read this book. Yeah. And uh, it, it's one of those, I like, forget how I heard about the book, but yeah, whatever. Pro maybe from alpha lab or something. No, it was after that. It was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I might've seen it on a blog somewhere or somebody mentioning it or a pretty popular book. Yeah. I was surprised I'd never run across it because I'd oh, literally never even heard of it. I'd never even heard of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Until this weekend. And then I find out it's a massively popular book. Yeah. So yeah, if, if anybody's listening, you haven't heard of the goal and you do anything, I, honestly, like, it's kind of useful for everyone. Oh, yeah. I can't really. I, I was about to say if you do anything remotely entrepreneurial, but even if you don't, it's still even really useful. And it's if you don't like business books, it is the most readable business yeah. book that you've ever. It's come a across. novel, so yeah, it's, it's novel. not like the best novel. Like it's not like the no, most it's, like it's literature. Not, <laughs> yeah, but the story does carry you along because this guy. I mean, the story uh, centers on this guy Alex Rogo, Rajo, something yeah. like that. Uh, and it's like he's the plant manager. His plant's going to be shut down in three months if he doesn't get his act together. His like wife is like yeah, not, his wife are fighting. Yeah. Like he's not having like, you know, he's, he's missing time with his kid and his boss is annoying. And like there's like all sorts of stuff that is like going on that's like human and you yeah. can like connect to it. And I think that's definitely done on purpose by the author to oh, make yeah. you get very engaged in the concepts. Well, and it helps you see them in your own life. And then the way he elucidates the whole idea is that Alex kind of works through it in pieces. So he starts, you know, like at the most basic part yep. where what is the goal? Yeah, <laughs> like what is what is the basic goal? Yep. Right. And because he, he's running this plant and he's just doing what the managers have been telling them to do, right. which is uh, and you know, like I haven't done a lot of operations stuff. This was kind of new for me, but I guess they were making them very focused on like efficiency style accounting where oh, it's like yeah. you need your machines and your you people to be this. working. You have done this, but you just haven't done it in the context of manufacturing. Yeah. You've done true. this. It's like all of us have done it where like you're trying to, I think you even talked about it in one of the episodes uh, from one of your previous jobs okay. where if you're focusing on a single metric and that oh, metric yeah. isn't the full system, 
Right. Like I think you were talking about for one of one your old jobs, how like you, you were able to like game one of the metrics. Yeah. Well, that was like, I mean, that was one of the problems with uh, Sumo okay. where it was like it was all judged on one metric, yeah. which was like customers converted. OK, but it was based on like last touch attribution. So it was so easy for different people to like game the last touch attribution so that you could like get some crazy but numbers, the, but it doesn't help the company or it doesn't yeah, help, it doesn't the, help goal. the company at all. It doesn't, right? it doesn't help the goal. Right. So that's what I mean. Like we yeah. all have, whether you've been in a manufacturing environment or you've been in a digital environment, or you've been in any kind of environment that is a system, you have felt this because like we always like, if there's a focus on a metric, you will like people in those companies tend to optimize for whatever metric they're being judged for. And if that metric is not necessarily tied to the goal, then they're just going to like, they don't have a view of the full system. I think there was a part in this book, I think I wrote it down where uh, they were talking about like how purchasing bought, like, I guess their goal was to oh. buy like materials for as low of a cost as possible. Yes, and the yes. guy was like, we have a warehouse full of copper wire for the next 32. <laughs> yeah. Like we are renting warehouses to hold, to all hold this extra our copper extra wire. copper wire. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's a crazy yeah. thing where it's... Uh, but they, they were being judged probably on their, like, how, what the cost of the goods they were buying. Yeah, exactly. The cost of that's you know, their goods purchased. Yep. And then, you know, for Alex, it was this metric of efficiency. And that was such the a... robot example. Was exactly. Great. The yep. robots, right? Where they were saying that, oh, no, our plant is really productive because our machines are running 100% of the time, right? But... You know, when you dig into it, that's not necessarily a good thing because a lot of them are just running and producing stuff they don't need to. Yeah. And because they're running all of the time when they're actually needed to produce something else, they can't. Right. Because right? they're like fully engaged with these other tasks yep. that they don't need to be doing in the first place that they're just doing so they can say they have 100 percent efficiency. And well, it's so like having it's the idea of like having slack in a system, right? It's like right. you want to have some slack. It's actually good to have some slack. Yeah, the slack example is perfect because it's not stated explicitly in here. It is implicit in the book during the the hiking scene, which, which I'm sure we'll get to. But a, I think Goldrot's referred to it this way outside of the book as like the drum and rope system where you have basically like a drum, some way of dictating the speed that everything needs to go through the system. Okay. And then a rope based on like the bottleneck, the piece that slows everything else down that can pull off like new inflow at the start. If throughput gets too high and the bottleneck can't like handle it, process everything. all of it, right? Process all of it. So if that's at its capacity, basically. Yeah. And so you never yeah. want that. You always want some slack in, that in the ropes rope. yep. so that it has a little bit of give in yep. case it needs to like, handle a sudden flux of orders right. and not immediately get overwhelmed or there's i mean there's an issues come up right around yeah. like uh there can be a machine that breaks down there could be a human issue like someone calls in sick or they right. quit or I mean, there's all sorts of things that could happen so having that slack in the system is helps you be uh more robust let's put it that way exactly yeah, yeah. more more robust to sudden sudden downturns but i suppose we should say what the actual goal is yeah, so, since we haven't done that yet. <laughs> uh, what they eventually arrive at in the book is that the goal is essentially to increase net profit while increasing return on investment and increasing cash flow. So those are like the three main accounting metrics that pretty much every business is trying to manage. Into, should we dive into like a little bit of what those are, each of those are? I mean, yeah, I feel like that's helpful to yeah. explain because I know I've definitely not dived into investment jargon enough. So yeah, and go it's for like, it. I guess it's explained it's it feels fairly straightforward but okay so net profit is basically it's the absolute amount of money you made you take your income minus your expenses and that's your net profit so that's sort of like the absolute metric now the reason why that isn't necessarily I know in the book he even talks about he's like oh that's the only metric we need then right and the reason why that's not necessarily that valuable or it is valuable but it's not valuable in isolation 
is because you have no idea what your initial investment was. If you invested $10 billion and you made a net profit of like $10 million, you know, that's something. But if you started with an initial investment of a million dollars and you made $10 million, that's obviously a lot better. It's much better. Much, much better, right? So that's where the term return on investment comes in. So that's ROI, which is basically how much did you start with? It's like a relative metric. So you take the net profit and you you create a relative metric based on what you started with. And then the last one is cash flow, right? So it's uh, it's basically for that one you want to stay positive as yeah. much as possible because <laughs> even if you have a, a great company and that's on the right trajectory and stuff, if that cash flow dips too low, like you're going to be bankrupt and then you don't have a company anymore. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the example I always think of for that is Zirtual. Do you remember Zirtual? Mm, remind me. So they were a personal assistant company where you paid like a flat monthly fee. They matched you with a US-based personal assistant. Yep. And it was, it was decently priced. It came out to like 15 bucks an hour to have right. somebody helping you with. And they were pretty good with like managerial tasks, you know, admin things. And I had an assistant through them. And then literally one Monday, I woke up and I had an email that was like, hey, Zirtual is bankrupt. Like your assistant no longer works for you. Their email address has been shut off. Oh, man. Like best of luck it was just like whoa what happened yeah and uh, apparently it was that that they had a lot of uh like business coming in and they were like making a lot of money quote unquote but they just didn't have the cash flow and so a payroll day came and they were hoping to get like a little bit of like carry-on investment or whatever it's called to get them through to the next funding round they just didn't get that investment didn't come through they couldn't make payroll that day and just boom gone like even though on paper it was it was fine good business yeah it's like it's one of the we were talking before the episode started recording that like uh with unlimited brewing company like we a lot of our customers are like events and usually and we're maybe going to change our payment terms hopefully by the time this this uh, episode comes out but it's like we don't get the full payment we get a deposit at the beginning when they sign up but we don't get the full payment until later but like i mean so it's not like we're paying money to out you know to our breweries that we work with up front um that also gets paid like when we get paid but even if we're like booking a lot of business like let's say we have a bunch of events in may and june and july of 2018 if we're not getting paid until then it doesn't really help our cash flow today. Yeah, like it helps true. our net profit. Like each of those events are going to be profitable and we're going to make good, you know, good money on each one, but it's like doesn't help our cash flow today. Like if you need to make payroll this week, you need to make payroll this week. Exactly. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter you that you have, have a project coming down the pipeline. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter that you have $100,000 of income coming in like 6 months. Right. Investors might care about that, so like they may say, "Okay, well, since you have that coming in, like we're okay loaning you some money at this point in time, but like it's not guaranteed. Yeah. So your cash flow is really your like survival metric. Like if you if that dips too low, like and you have none, it's like your virtual example. Yeah, exactly. Then you're just you're done. Just done. Yeah. I think I think they after they did that, somebody came in and rescued them. Okay. And I think they're still around today, but everybody was just so pissed. Nobody right. went back I mean, to What a right? way like, to like lose reliability because that's something you need reliably. Yeah. Is your assistant? <laughs> well, and then they like people set up an assistant matching service based on the display searchable employees. Mm. And so it helped you like find the person that you were working with right. before because you didn't have their personal email. Oh, it was a masked email. Yeah. yeah. And so I ended up hiring the person I've been working with before outside yeah. and it was like a better deal for you her because she got paid more. Yep. Like I had to pay yep. less. <laughs> so, okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's definitely, um, and that's like the one that I feel like is easy to forget about too. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially if you, well, you can almost grow too fast. That's like yeah, the whole thing of like growing fast. too fast because yeah. it's like you might be, booking a lot of business, reinvesting. So basically you think you have all this business coming down the road, which you do. And then, so you're spending money today 
to build on what you're, the momentum you're getting. So your expenses are going up, but you're not necessarily getting the cash till later, even though on paper you might be profitable. So your bank account just might not get the money. So then cash flow really matters. There's actually companies. Um, so this is the only example that's coming to the top of my head, but companies that have literally built their company on favorable cash flow. Uh, so like Budweiser is a great example. Okay. So if you go and buy a Bud Light at a store or at a bar or whatever, chances are you are drinking that beer before any of the vendors have been paid anything for it. So the beer is like in your hands and you're drinking it and Budweiser's been paid, right? But like all their payment terms with like the company that grew the the grain, the yeah. company that grew the hops, the company that delivered the beer, the, the wholesaler, like yeah. all the middlemen and all the ingredient people just have not been paid yet because they have 90 or 120 net, like net 120 or net 90 day payment terms uh, with all of them. Okay, so wait, what do those terms mean, net 90, net 120? Because so I see them on like contracts. So let's say, yeah, so uh, the most common one is net 30. So okay. we'll just use that as an example. It means if I give you an invoice today, mm-hmm. it means that you have to pay me within 30 days, right? So that's like net 30. So net 90 means you don't have to pay me for three months. Mm. Net 120 means you don't have to pay me for four months, right? So it's like basically if you're supplying me with grain, let's say, grain and hops, and I'm turning that into beer and within like four weeks, my customer is drinking that beer and I've been paid on it, but I don't have to pay you for three more months. Right. So as long as you can push it through to production yeah. within that three month so period. Let's say, you're, let's say for every like know. beer worth of grain and hops, like it's 10 cents of expenses, right? Right. So on paper, uh, and let's say I'm as Bud Light, like I'm selling my beer to the wholesaler for like 40 cents a beer or something. So technically on paper, my profit is 30 cents per product. But my cash flow benefit is actually 40 cents for those three months because I've made the 40 cents, but I haven't paid you anything you paid yet. Anything, yeah. yeah. You still got that liability. On. You got the liability on the books, but it helps you make payroll. That's for sure. Oh, and you yeah, can reinvest that too. And if you right. think about the effects of compounding, right? Like that can make a huge, huge difference Yeah, because you're it, always three months or four months ahead it's true. of the game. So right. uh, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of accounting games that can be played that way. And you can also go in the other direction where people get in trouble with like their credit card. Right. Oh yeah. Because right, you've technically got a month to pay it off. And so it's like, oh, well, since I have 30 days to pay this off, I get like a free month, mm, right? Yeah. And then because they just like have to wait for the next set of paychecks to pay it off. right? Yeah. So it can definitely go in the other direction. Right, totally. It works the other way around. Yeah. Too. Yeah, that's totally you true. You don't want to get into get into the habit of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but that's where like the cash flow thing makes a can make a big, big difference. Makes sense. Yeah. It also makes a big difference if you're a small company where like if you can get even if you can get less money on the contract, mm-hmm. but better payment terms it might be worth it, especially if you're a very high growth company that's mm. reinvesting. Like like if you know, let's say for a growth machine, that like every dollar, I'm not saying this is what you do, but this is just for example, every dollar that you put into marketing is going to result in like $2 for growth machine. And you know that pretty reliably, then like every additional dollar of cash flow that you can get, like the True. sooner you can reinvest that, the better it's going to be for your company. Right, right. Uh, well, and I mean, I guess I did this without thinking of it, but since including myself, everybody who works for the company are contractors, we get paid at the end of the month. And like the invoices from the companies we work with are due before then. And so we yep. didn't need any upstart capital yep. in order to hire each other. People, yeah. Right. Like yep. we could start working on it as long as we had that one client that month, then we knew that there was going to be like the cash flow so, to pay ourselves right. like by the end of it. Whereas if you were doing it the other way where you're doing payroll upfront, yes. right, yeah. then 
you can kind of have like issues. Right. Because <laughs> somebody start, just doesn't pay. Yeah, like, you, yeah. yeah, exactly. You need the money yeah. in the beginning to even like get going. Yep. So, okay. This is cool. Yeah. I'm learning something. It's amazing how these concepts though are like, like literally there's companies built on this. Yeah. <laughs> playing the, the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Or playing on the right side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And people have like gotten in big trouble by playing on the wrong side oh, of it. Yeah. Like your <laughs> other example. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, and then the way he breaks it down too into like daily thoughts, I thought was really useful because he says, you know, that's, that's the goal, the meta goal. Uh, but then that's not really useful on a day to day because you can't like walk into the plant really and say like, what's our ROI today, right? Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah. And so they break it out in these other three areas, uh, which are throughput, the rate at which the system generates money through sales, inventory, which is all of the money that the system has invested in purchasing things which it intends to sell, and then operational expense, all the money that the system spends in order to turn inventory into throughput. And so then the reframed goal is to increase throughput while simultaneously reducing both inventory and operating expense not to do them in isolation, but to do them all together. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe we were talking about this before the show or maybe, yeah, at some other conversation. Okay. But it's like uh, when you very myopically like focus on a metric like this, like any of these, it, basically my point is like if, you don't, if you're not looking at the overall system, like it's very easy to just get in big trouble. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. think, I'm just thinking about like the inventory one. Like if you are a, if, if your job is to like, optimize for inventory like that's not optimized for reducing it reducing it inventory yeah. might not be good for the overall company oh yeah you could run into issues you really quickly issues. and same yeah. thing if like your job is to just reduce operational expenses that actually might not be good for the company either well that was very easily bad for the company it's right. like oh we should just fire everyone exactly right <laughs> exactly um so i don't know like a question that kept coming up to my head during this is like this is great if you were like the plant manager or like the company owner or the ceo right but I'm really curious how, like, if you are not in one of those positions, mm -hmm. how do you apply a lot of these concepts? Because it's like, seems like it almost requires you to have a very big picture view, you know, but if you're like, I don't know, if you work at one of these plants or yeah. like you're an engineer on a team or like you're someone who, I don't know, is like one designer on a bigger team. Like, I don't know, how do you kind of use these concepts in a useful way? I mean, yeah. besides your, like the non-business things, like there's tons of non-business things, which we're going to get into. Right, right. But right. if you're in your job, like, is this one where you try to like influence your boss the right way? Or like, I don't know, what's the, yeah. I like, mean, so when you were at Sumo, right? Like you were right. saying that example, like if you knew about these things at that time, mm -hmm. what would I think about it? Yeah. Like how would that have affected your, yeah. Well, I guess the first thing would be to identify like what it is that you do that people buy right because throughput and inventory are both so like you can also rephrase them as inventory is money in the system throughput is uh money coming into the system and expenses are money like going out of the system yeah. right then inventory is just the like whatever is accumulated inside yeah exactly it's yeah. like what's currently stuck in it that yeah. has been invested in but it's like waiting to go out so you haven't gotten right. any money in from that yeah. yeah so as if you're like running content marketing right which was you know a big part of my job then i guess my question would be right like how much money have we invested in creating articles that are waiting to go out right how can I like reduce the cost of creating those and how can I like increase the value yeah. once they go out? And that's like, I mean, that is what I was doing, right? right? Because we had a really tight publishing schedule and, you know, that was something that I had dialed in to see how like fast we could get it basically while yeah. maintaining quality because some sites have like crazy long editorial schedules, but we were doing like three 
two to 6,000 word articles a week wow. with like almost all guest writers. Okay. And so we were having to manage that whole process and it was usually about a one month lead time. Okay. Makes that was, sense. That yeah. was really, that was pretty efficient. It couldn't have gone much faster than that. I don't yeah. think. Well, and um, to do still keep it high quality. Keep and, it high quality. Yeah. yeah. But I guess that was a big part of dialing it in was like, okay, we'll decrease the amount that we're investing by moving it faster. Right. Cause then you have less inventory of articles sitting in the system. Right. And then you increase the value once they go out by, you know, conversion rate optimization, all of those things. I feel like there's probably always some way to break it down to wherever you are. Cause even for an individual writer. Yeah, right? there is, there is time that goes yeah. into it. the time that's sort of invested in the article, but in the articles that haven't been published, yeah, articles are that haven't been published your are your inventory, yep. right? <laughs> your expenses are basically your time. Is your one time. Big one. Yeah. yeah. And any, and if you're like paying an editor or something, right. right? And then your throughput is just whatever people are paying you for the articles. For the articles, yeah. Yeah. It's basically your sales. Yeah. I so. also think uh, it's so from the manager standpoint, it's like very useful to probably make your employees aware of these things mm -hmm. as well of like the overall system. Because I think it's very easy for someone to get like hyper focused on the metric that they are judged on. Yeah. So like I'm thinking about like a salesperson, for example, right? Like they pretty much only care about throughput. Because that's what they're being paid for. Right. Um, but there is value to like other things as well in the system. So I'm thinking like in my own context, mm -hmm. like, of course, I would be very happy if one of my salespeople brings in like a $100,000 contract. Yeah. But let's say that $100,000 contract isn't going to be delivered until like December 2018. I'm like way more happy if it's like a $50,000 contract that's delivered in December 2017. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, right? Because the the delay on it starting is kind of like inventory for it, it you. It is kind of, I yeah. It is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not as, it's not like as much as like we're buying physical product and sitting on it. Right. But it's like, still like there's value to that like being sooner because there's compounding well it's, it's inventory in terms of sunk cost too yes, exactly. or not sunk cost in terms of opportunity cost yeah exactly because if you're if you have to prepare for that contract and not yep. take on other things yep. then and that that's kind of an inventory right right it is yeah yeah i mean it's like it's also just understanding uh like the cost of delivering on something so in our case in the u.s at least mm -hmm. working in a new state has a uh, additional cost than yeah. working in a state we already operate in. Right. So like we already operate in New York. So if someone sells something in New York, there's no like expense that's added to the system for setting anything up. Like the system's already set up in New York. Like we have a very clear way to execute on any New York contract. But if someone brings in a contract in like Michigan, we have to spin up a whole new system there. So then there's like, and there's, there's certain size contracts that that's like totally valuable. And certain states were like looking for an excuse to like spin up the system. <laughs> yeah. But then... There is a cost to that. So like bringing a $10,000 contract in New York versus a $10,000 contract in Michigan, the $10,000 contract in New York is more valuable for the overall system because there's no like additional operational expense to right. set up the system, set up a new system there. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like you can apply these concepts to whatever you're working on. Yeah, it might not be like a perfect one-to-one -one fit of like... And depending on where you are in the company, you're probably yeah. going to have to think about certain ones more than others. Exactly. Right. Yep. Like, you know... Uh, one of the people on my team at Growth Machine, right? She's like in charge of all editorial. So for her, it's very much like a throughput thing, mm. or I guess inventory more so, because her goal is to minimize how many articles are in the queue by mm. sticking to a schedule, right? Where it's like she's not bringing sales into the system. She's not going out and like selling new clients right. on, you know, content creation. Right. And she's not really figuring out how to like minimize costs. She's more on throughput, but she could think about right. that or as it's well. It's important to remember that. Yeah, least. it's important to think about it's it too. Like, it's like yeah. she has to make sure they're not that the writers aren't writing like 10,000 word articles that are going to cost a grand. And also, you know, if she finds a new site that we should work with, right, like 
she can do that, but yeah, her exactly. main focus is probably inventory. Is this one. But it's, yeah. it still helps to be aware of the overall Exactly. Pic- yeah, it's picture. really useful to have those frameworks in mind. Also, so that you don't damage one of them yes. by optimizing one. Because like the easiest way to optimize inventory of articles would be like get really shitty articles. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking of. <laughs> Immediately yeah. publish them yep. with no thought to scheduling. Well, it made me then- think of the like uh, financial crisis. Because it's like, if you think about it, people were being compensated on how many more like new mortgages yeah. that they brought into the system. Exactly. But it had nothing to do with if they could pay or not. So if you're that salesperson, you're being compensated purely on the uh, throughput, I guess, yeah, of that system. Everything coming in. Everything coming in, but you're not tied at all to any other part of the system. And you're mounting this massive inventory of liabilities yep, exactly. and, you know, I guess sort of operational expenses, but it's really the inventory there, I think. Right? Yeah, it's, it's just, just sitting like, there of like you hold the asset, but you can't, you're not getting anything out of it. I should throw in here that if anybody's listening to this and you're like an operations expert <laughs> and Neil and I are getting all these terms <laughs> wrong, like please let us know yeah. because we're definitely novices in some of these oh, things. Yeah, yeah, and we're definitely. like, we're trying to figure it out with you. Yeah. And like, we would love to learn more about it. I mean, I is the author still alive actually? I don't think he is. Okay. I think he died in 2006. Because it's not a new book. No, it's not. It's fairly old. Uh, I'm going to be really embarrassed if I got that wrong. But uh, actually, I'm just going to look it up right now. He died in 2011. We'll get our own Jamie. Yeah, exactly. We'll get our own Jamie. Jamie, shout how out, much shout do you out to Joe Rogan. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was going to say, like, I never took a class in this in college. I, I'm not sure if I wish I had, but learning some operation stuff is really interesting. Like, it's kind of cool how, especially on this really high level, you see how you can apply it to everywhere in your life. And so I guess maybe that makes sense now to go into a bit of the book where he's figuring all this stuff out. And, you know, he, he's got this reframed goal that we just talked about. Where we're talking about throughput and inventory, operational expenses. But then there's really the question of, OK, well, what do you do day to day in your business in order to figure this out and like how to improve these things? And the, the way the book is structured is he he's got all these problems and then he meets this like wise mentor in the airport. And it's it's so funny because like when I was reading the book, I was like, this is weirdly specific because the mentor that he meets in the airport is a Jewish guy who was his physics teacher in elementary school. Yeah. And I was like, how did he think of that? And yeah. of course, that's that is that Goldrot. He yeah. was a physics professor. So the mentor then, is based on him. Yeah, the mentor is yeah. based on him. Yeah. And so the mentor is introducing all these concepts to him every time he figures part of that and goes on to the next problem. And this is my favorite part of the book where he introduces the dependent events and statistical fluctuations. So because everything relies on something else and because there's some variation in the system, you'll run into bottlenecks, right? Yeah. Where there'll be one piece of the whole system that creates you know a limit on the output of everything else like for <laughs> us the stupid label approvals for our beers oh is that it it's like 30 days Oof. it's not always 30 days but it's like up to 30 days basically 30 days because there's like a person whose job it is to stamp the labels oh. it's a an ai company needs to go and like get the government to privatize this part of the, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> scan a label and do thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. Down. I mean, they're yeah. looking for like a few things. They're looking, do you have the government warning on there? They're looking, do you have the alcohol percentage on there? Do you have where it's brewed? That could do definitely have, be done. Yeah. Honestly. And they're all like, in a pretty standard format. Yeah. Uh, they're looking, the only thing that might be like, somewhat open to human interpretation is like, they're looking to see if you're not making any like health claims on there uh, yeah. or like outrageous claims. I mean, it depends whose definition of outrageous, but it's also like one of those like porn like definitions where it's like yeah, you kind of know it when you see it. it. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, that's the only we'll, thing. We'll have to talk to our mutual friend about that. That yeah. could be a, <laughs> a good extension of their business. Yeah, exactly. Explain the bottleneck part because well, I love this part of the book. Too. This part of the book is so funny. <laughs> so the the wise mentor Jonah introduces the the bottleneck issue, and then the protagonist Alex takes his son on a hike, and it's it's like a Boy Scouts trip. Yep. They're they're going on this hike, and they have to hike six miles through the woods to get to a campsite or something. And they're supposed to be, you know, he figures, oh, well, you know, good walking pace, like two miles an hour. We should get there in three hours. And they start walking. And then there's a fat kid in the group. <laughs> and the kid's, the kid's name is Herbie. And Herbie. It's a great name. Yeah, it's a perfect kid. name. <laughs> and we should mention, too, that for the rest of the book, they refer to bottlenecks in the company as, as Herbie's. Herbie. Yeah. <laughs> So we found a Herbie, right? Like, okay, tangent number one. Okay, go for it. <laughs> now these are like delineated, by the way. The yeah, show exactly. Notes. So <laughs> you can jump straight to the next tangent. You can jump straight to the tangent. Part of the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which we have gotten feedback that that is some people's favorite hey, parts of the you show. Know, what makes um, it different? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you probably wouldn't have like, I, I feel like this wouldn't be that common in a book in 2017. Oh, it To would, have yeah, like it's... a fat kid, <laughs> like calling the, the bottleneck the fat kid throughout the rest of the book. <laughs> it <would> definitely be <laughs> frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. Like this is definitely an 80s, like yeah, normal get thing. Away with more yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the only part of the tangent I wanted to say. That was yeah. kind of it. But yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so he goes on this hike and they're hiking through the woods. Herbie's holding everyone up and Alex is noticing like, okay, the kids in front of Herbie are going way past him because they're not slowed down at all. Whereas the kids behind Herbie are actually getting further and further behind him because they can only walk as fast as the person in front of them, yeah. but then they can always walk slower, like basically infinitely slow. They can stop. And so nobody can really pass Herbie because it's a narrow path. And so they're like stuck behind him at different levels. And so he notices that as they're walking, they're getting further and further spread out. And the kid at the front is like a mile ahead of everyone else. And they're like clustered at the back. And so he's trying to figure out, okay, how do we get everyone to walk at you know, an even pace and like an optimal pace. Right. And so like spoiler, eventually he puts Herbie at the front of the line because like, okay, Herbie's spoiler. Why did you tell me that? No, I know. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like Her Herbie's like, he's walking the slowest. So yep. we need everybody to walk behind him. But then they realize like, okay, well, if Herbie's walking the slowest, you know, how do we speed up Herbie? And he's got like all this extra food in his backpack, of course. So they, they take the food out of his backpack and they like distribute it to the other kids' bags. And then Herbie's walking faster. And now everyone can walk faster yep. and like everyone's happy, right? And so that's sort of how he figures out like the bottlenecks. It's and a great way of thinking about it. It's a perfect analogy. Yeah. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. It's, yeah. It's and you genius. can kind of see where they're going, but they like deliberately try a few different things first in the book. Right. I can't remember exactly what he does. He he puts Herbie like further back with him. I think like at the back yeah, of the line. Yeah, and then it makes it like even worse. It makes it like worse. the people at the front get even further ahead or yeah. something. Like uh he puts everyone in like some certain order. Like, yeah, there was like some order he came up with. Yeah, some order he came up with that didn't work. It was really only once Herbie was at the very front and then everyone was trying to catch up to him. Yep. And then you reduce uh, his load as much you, as possible. Yeah, so he can move as fast as possible. Possible. Yep. Yeah. And then you go from there. And then that's so. the fat as fast as your system can move. Exactly. It's like, yeah. It's funny how like when you think about it that way though, it's like your own business's processes become like very clear of like mm -hmm. who's the, what's the Herbie. Yeah, what your, is the Herbie to our output? In your right situation. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like like I mean, in our case, if you're designing labels that can be done pretty quickly. It's like the actual filling of the beer is not, doesn't take that long. The actual delivery doesn't take that long because we're brewing locally. So it's like our Herbie is the label approval process. And it's like, right. you know that whatever amount of time that takes, that's like 
what is the going to be the length of your process. Well, it's such a, if you can make it quicker then that's better. Exactly. That's the thing is, and that's what they point out in the book too, because basically Alex goes back to his plant and he tries to find the Herbies and they figure out it's this one machine. And then it's like their heating system, but you can't like take them and put them at the beginning because it's a process, right? They're dependent events. And so they have to figure out how do they like create the highest output possible for these two parts of their system. And they, and they do a lot of stuff. We'll, we'll get into it, but that mentality of, okay, what is the bottleneck? And then how do I optimize, you know, around the bottleneck right now? And, and there's an order for this too. You know, one of the things they make really clear is that your first solution shouldn't be to like buy more of whatever yeah. it is or hire more. Right. Because that's what everyone goes to. Right. Right. They're like, oh, our bottleneck is sales, like hire more salespeople. And you have to stop and say, okay, well, you know, why isn't it moving as fast as it physically right. could? Right. Right? right. So like with the machine, it's easy because the machine, if it's operating 100% of the time, has a fixed output, right? Of say like 100 widgets an hour. And so, you know, if it's not doing 100 widgets an hour, something is, is wrong, somewhere. right? And yeah. you can optimize it to that point, right? And once it's doing 2,400 widgets a day, then you can buy another then one. Then you can buy another yeah. one. But until then, like optimize what you have. Right. And this is a useful, so useful. Yeah, mentality because you can look at anything in your life and you can say, okay, where is the bottleneck, right? Like, where is the Herbie? And I actually have it as like a question for my weekly check-in with my team. Oh, nice. Where yeah. I basically say, where's, like, our, where's our Herbie? And then I like no, for, I for each person, right? <laughs> it's like, what is what is the biggest, I feel like I should just make everyone read it. Um, but it's like, it's what is- a good idea. It's a great idea. Good Everybody idea. at Amazon apparently has to read it. Every really? like manager and wow. it's on the cover. That's where I found that out. Oh, but yeah, hard reading, reading for Amazon's, Amazon's managers. managers. Yep. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. Because if you, if you start thinking that way, and it's been really helpful for us. Yeah. Because, you know, we realized early on that like copy editing was a huge bottleneck for like uh my editorial manager right where she was spending you know half of her time doing like minuscule edits on articles of like oh finding commas and grammar and like grammarly catches a lot of it but not all of it you still have to read through it because yeah. you don't you don't want to publish an article for somebody that like has grammar issues right. it's kind of embarrassing yeah but it's like know, it's a good one thing if it's on your blog but yeah like a much bigger <laughs> issue yeah, exactly like <laughs> and so for her it was like half of her time was, was being spent on was that. Being spent on that, and she could be doing much bigger tasks, right? Like copy editing is important, but she could do like SEO research and all these other things. And so, for what she's getting paid, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And just by like having to think about, you know, where is the bottleneck each week, we've been able to find those things and weed them out pretty quickly, which is like huge. so useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about it. It basically is like instead too. of buying, like not buying. Sorry, <laughs> instead of like. It, well, in the case of machines, it's like buying a new machine. But in the case of humans, it's like instead of making another hire. Like imagine now if you hired like two people to do that one person's job. Exactly. Instead of, but that wouldn't have solved the problem because you're still operating suboptimally. Yeah, that's a that's a word. Right? Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, I mean, I thought about this with my own time too, okay. because it's like, what's you know, you can think about this. I, I have this in my week, my personal weekly review now too, which is what's the biggest bottleneck on my personal output. Yeah. And it was really obvious about a month ago that the biggest one was like meetings. Oh, and yeah. phone calls and stuff. Right. And so now I have all of my calendars set up where the only time I interface with people is like Wednesdays and Fridays okay. and then Mondays after 1 p.m. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. That's then, sort of how I've been doing it. Like a little bit, uh, I probably should get like maybe more strict with that, but I'm, I've been doing it pretty similarly where it's like, it's not the same every week. Like I don't have the same days every week, yeah. but I, I keep two full days essentially open. Well, not open, but like no meetings. And then half of another day mm. is like without means, but it's just, I just change up the days. Though. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, I find that useful. It's yeah. Really I think that's enough because I, yeah, it's enough. And it's <laughs> also like, that means you're still doing half your week of like meetings. deep work time. Yeah. And yeah. in a city like New York where it's like, uh, well, I, I, maybe it's not the same from where you live, but from where I live, like I'm pretty far East. 
So like when I'm going to like, especially in-person meetings, a lot of them happen to be in Midtown or, you know, like different, there are different parts of the city than from where I live. So it would be way more annoying to like leave for an hour for like to go to a one hour meeting, then come back. It's like your sunk cost is way more than a one hour meeting. Yeah. You're going to lose at least two, maybe three and a half hours. Exactly. So it's like doing those all in the same day where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be in Midtown. So I just did like seven meetings or whatever in a row or five nice. meetings or whatever. It's like, it makes a lot more sense to do it that way yeah. for just your own time management. And that's actually something in here too, is batch processing. Yep. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That, that was one of the other issues yeah. they were running into is that because they were having to expedite orders to meet these, you know, random angry clients who were behind. Yep. It destroys. It would destroy. Process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you have to completely quit the one thing you're doing, go do this other thing and then get started again on the last thing. Yep. And for personal creative output, right? If you get knocked out of flow, uh, oh, yeah. on like some big project, right? Like, or, I, like I was, you can't like jump from doing like an article or something and then do a one hour call and then jump back. It's not like, it doesn't work that way. No, it really doesn't. It's I mean, not. like it, it'll be out by now, but I wrote a massive article on how to start a podcast. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, because like we kept talking about it. I was like, all right, I just need to write this thing. Yeah. But I wrote- Well, most, there's so many people who ask. Yeah, so many people like, ask. Yeah. yeah, and there's not a good article out right. there. So anyway, there is now natalison.com slash start a podcast. I saw this on Twitter. Let's put it this week where someone was like, write the articles that you wish. Get asked about the most. Or no, write the articles that you wish you found when you Googled something. Oh, yeah. That sounds like it might have been you. I didn't. I didn't okay. tweet that, but that is something I would tweet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I was like, as I said that out loud, I was like, wait, that sounds like something that would tweet. <laughs> uh, no, but like the, the reason I brought that up is that it's it's a five thousand word article, yeah. but it only took me maybe three hours to write it. Yep. But because I had a once straight you get in the zone, though, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Once you're in the zone, so easy to just like plow through creative yep. work. Yep. But if you're getting interrupted every 30, oh, 60 man. minutes, no way. Yeah. And what is our favorite playlist for <laughs> the writing? Deep house relax. Deep Pass relax on, on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta check it out. It is it's awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're not into Deep House Relax, I would also recommend The Last of the Mohicans soundtrack. Oh, I gotta try that. That one's really Just good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then any video game music. Especially yeah, video game music uh, is great. Like the Halo soundtrack. Oh, I haven't Oof. tried that, but I that will try really that. Good. Yeah. The Matrix. I find like Tron. movie soundtracks can yeah. be pretty good too. The Tron soundtrack is great. Is really as well. good. Yep. Yeah. And that's all Daft Punk. So it's like good oh, electronic, yeah, nice. kind of deep housey. I like like yeah, deep anything without. This is also tangent number two for anyone uh, <laughs> we're talking about. I feel like now. we're probably on four or five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. Actually. Yeah. Just trust the show notes. The yeah. show notes will properly reflect which tangent we are on. Exactly. Um. No, but it's like music that is sort of repetitive. Yeah. Without words. Exactly. Especially if you're writing. The words really mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever typed like the words that you're listening to? If you've ever tried like. Yeah. That will happen to me. I occasionally Uh, will try like a podcast, especially in like the middle of a really interesting podcast. mm. Which for you guys should be made you think. Yeah, exactly. But uh, (laughs) it's like if you try to write while listening to a podcast, it just does not work. Well, I've also found that I have trained myself now where I can turn on certain kinds of music and then immediately get into the flow of whatever I need to be doing. Yeah. So rap does that for me sometimes. Uh, Rap is kind of weird with like some rappers, I think, vocalize almost as if they're part of the beat, Mm -hmm. especially when it harmonizes really well. So like Nas, I feel like has certain tracks where that happens. Um, there's a, a old Lil Wayne tracks that have that in some ways. Future actually does that a lot now okay. where like, he's essentially like the way he emphasizes the words are essentially with the beat. So it's like not another, pr- it's not like there's vocals. Like you're, you know, it's not like it's not like somebody okay. singing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It feels more like you're almost listening to a beat. I don't know how else to describe it. Okay, it's really, cool. it's a really not a good way of describing <laughs> it. But I feel like people that listen to rap a lot will like know what I'm talking yeah, about. It's yeah, like yeah. when the, yeah, when the rapper just like really harmonizes with the beat, 
in a way that they basically become the beat. But so what kind of work do you have associated with that music? The same as Deep House Relax. Oh, same as Deep yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like like mentally becomes the same for me where like it's just in the background and yeah. But it's it's something that helps me focus in a that weird way. Yeah, yeah, well, I was going to say like... Cause, oh, you were talking about other types of work. Well, that you could both. Okay. So if I turn on Deep House Relax, I'll immediately get into the writing groove. Yeah. Like it takes zero work for me to go from turning it on to starting writing. Yeah. Right. And which is awesome because I don't need like the 15, 30 minute ramp up time. And then... It's Pavlovian response. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Very. <laughs> uh, and then I've got other... Um, they're mostly like hour long mixes on SoundCloud. Like oh. a few by the magician. The magician. Did yeah. Justin tell you about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I found it through Justin. Um, the magician, uh, a few others. I'll have to. Those are great. I'll like, have to include the them. magic tapes. Yeah, the magic they tapes are so, so good. good. But I can just put on one of those and I'll just jam through whatever yep. other work I have. It's yep. like very yeah Pavlovian at this point. Oh, there's another one by OWSLA and Skrillex. Okay. It's like an hour long mix. There's actually one that Adil found back oh, in the day. Nice. Uh, that one's awesome. We'll have to link to that. Uh, and we can just link to like all. Yeah, we just link to all of them. Yeah. All of our all our work music yeah. for. Uh, hmm, how do we tie this back? All the work music that helps you get through the bottleneck <laughs> yeah. of starting what you know you should be doing. <laughs> so exiting the stretch, <laughs> <laughs> exiting the tangent now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is where you really start to see the theory of constraints come into play where he's at the company and they're identifying these parts of their existing system that need to be fixed and going through the process of saying, okay, well, like how do we actually improve what this machine and this heating process can put out? Uh, and the way they go through all of it to kind of like further elucidate it, the whole theory of constraints is like five bullet points. Yeah. Right. It's a right. really it's simple really, process. Yeah. But you by learning about it this way, I find it so much more digestible and memorable. I think memorable is the yeah. key point. And maybe that's why he going back to why he wrote it as a novel. Maybe that's why it's just like the retention rate is so much you remember better. It so much better. It's yeah. going to be like, oh, this is like that time that Alex with realized. Herbie. Yeah, with Herbie, <laughs> Herbie right? yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so Herbie has to go at the front of the line, right? And if Herbie can't go at the front of the line, then all the kids need to hold a rope. And then they have to like not be able to move beyond, right, what, what is, that rope does. Or you need a drummer to tell them how fast to walk, right? Like, will but, you ever forget that concept? No, probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> that's this like built, like. Yeah, it fixed in my mind. And yeah. so I didn't realize this, but the drum and rope, right? That's how he explains it in other contexts. Okay. And yeah, you said not in the book. Right? Well, so it is, but it's really subtle okay. because after they go on the walk with Herbie and then Alex is like back home and talking to his kids about fixing the stuff at the plant, he asks his kids to go like think up how he might be able to make the plant run more efficiently, kind of like the hike. And his, I think his daughter says that everybody should have like a rope they have to hold on to so they don't get too far ahead of each other. Yep. And the son says, well, you could have a drummer who tells them how fast to work, <laughs> right? And like he kind of leaves it there. He's like, oh, you're close and then explains what they did. Yep. But it's like it's that's in there too does he have a blog somewhere or like where did you come across this just another thing that he had written no i came across it through tiago forte okay so i was going to mention this later but uh, sorry about that no no no. like sorry for messing (laughs) up your flow net in in terms of in terms of applying the theory of constraints to other work tiago forte his publication is called praxis on medium and you're gonna have to pay for the premium publication it's only five bucks a month if you want to get all of this it's worth it's the best publication on medium hands down you're like the third person to tell me that his work is like it's like incredible because I tend to hear the like he's productivity yeah. kind of guy, right? Like I always tend to like hear that, and then just like my mind is like another one of these guys. He, he's it just like glosses the- over. But like three people now that I respect, including you. Oh, spoiler alert! I respect <laughs> you, Matt. It like have said his work is like totally worth it, and like you took his course, I think. As well, well I've or taken you one of take- his courses, okay. and then I'm starting another one on okay. Monday because he's got like a. And I know course. how skeptical you are about courses. Oh yeah. So like, the fact that you're taking one is like yeah, and so- you're taking a second one actually is like a really big endorsement. Yeah. Well, so like. Like, 
and I, I don't get paid for any of this. I'm just like, yeah, this is not an ad, but yeah, I'm like, not, like <laughs> I'm not even an affiliate for any of this. Yeah. Right. So I took his, uh, getting stuff done like a boss course, which is like a $50 getting things done, but for like the digital era course, absolutely phenomenal. Like best investment I ever made in personal productivity. And so now I'm taking his building a second brain course, which is about like using Evernote and digital note taking systems to like offload your creative output. And which you were showing like, me some of the stuff, I think. Yeah, right, I've done, were... I've picked up a little bit of it from his writing, yeah. but another friend friend of mine, Chris Sparks, who runs a productivity consultancy called The Forcing Function. He's also been a NatChat guest, or he, he will have been by the time this episode's out. Uh, he said it was the best money he had ever invested on like online education material. Wow. Yeah. So like the course is 700 bucks. And Chris said that it was worth like 10 times that. Okay. Right. So I'm like, all right. This is <laughs> I mean, so like, here's the thing, right? If it's like, if your billing rate, let's say, I mean, your billing rate for consulting works probably what, 150, 200 an hour, something like that? Yeah, like 150, 250, 250 yeah. 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 Somewhere in that range. That's like if you get an extra like four or five hours of productivity. Yeah, over the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. Like that's (laughs) worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but but talking about ROI, like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tiago is one of the only writers online where I will just instant pocket anything I see from him. Yeah. That's a huge endorsement. I mean, I was going to like thinking about books too, the same way. Mm. Like, um, I think I, yeah, I wrote a post about this. I think I published this one. Uh, yeah. It's not what I have a ton sitting in drafts. That's my uh, inventory. Yeah. That I just exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. I need to like, the inventory. exactly. That, this book was like inspiring for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did publish this one. Now that I remember it's like how I, I view books kind of similar to VC in a way or like any kind of investment, right? Where it's like, if you oh, spend like 20 like bucks on a book, or, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you spend like 20 bucks on a book and it has like a chance of giving you even one insight that's going to give you like that could make you like we guaranteed we've both read books that have made us like just that one book like a concept from the book would make us like thousands of dollars oh yeah like the roi like a 10 20 book could be enormous most books you read will not do that right so that's you gotta weed them out quickly well and that's where like the similarity to vc is like right it's like vcs use different constraints like uh they want to get recommendations from founders that they already trust like they're looking at certain spaces like you know like so in our case when we're looking at authors or books it's like who recommended that book to me exactly there's some people i know who just fall for like sorry if you're one of those people but fall (laughs) for like the popcorn type of book yeah like the popcorn business books. yeah and like they'll recommend those books to me and i'll be like uh i'll get to it if i have time but probably not gonna read it there's some people who when they recommend me a book because of the strength of maybe previous recommendations or like I just uh, have seen what they're reading and have found good books that way I'll just instantly like go buy that book and yeah there's like totally different like differences there so you can kind of like improve your odds of finding a book that's going to give you a big insight but it's still not going to be perfect like not every book you read is going to give you a big insight but if you get even one yeah it's going to more than pay off well, and to the point of, I mean, actually tying in a lot of this stuff here, yep. right, with books, the bottleneck is your time that you yeah, have to invest. Exactly. And so the place to be selective, right? Actually, this is this is something that comes up in the book. Well, it's is not that even they, a tangent. I love it. It's not even a tangent. We're tying it back <laughs> yes. in. Here we go. So they realize that one way they can make the machine more efficient is by doing quality assurance before the products uh, go to the machine, yep. right? Because <laughs> any time lost on the bottleneck is time lost for the entire company. Right. So you for yourself- you should do your quality assurance for picking books before you buy them or start to read yeah. them, right? Yep. Because if you wait until after to be like, oh, that that was good or that was bad, yeah. right? Like you've wasted all of that time you could have spent on another book. A different book, Whereas yeah. if you're just super selective up front, right, then you're not wasting any time on, you know, the constraint, which right. is like your time. Right. Yeah. And I guess the metric is not always money. It's like enjoyment too. Yeah, like enjoyment some books too, you utility. Read, it's like, yeah. I mean, like, like I, there's some books that you're going to read, they're like never going to make you a cent. But you just enjoy them. And that's like totally worth it too. That's priceless. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Make you happy. I mean, I think we're probably doing this book work clean. 
Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't uh, scheduled that, but it will. No, be I think it'll be like point. a few episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just that was one of the books where, and it's like quote unquote a productivity book. And this is another one that Chris recommended actually. Okay. And you know, when he recommended it, I was like, mm, productivity book, right? Like mm, whatever. He's like, he's like, just trust me, it's really good, right? And it's phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. Like, and, and one of the biggest things, and this is something that's really hard to tie a dollar value to, but it advocates for like when you don't know what to do. Or when you feel a little like jumbled yeah. or when you just want to have peace of mind, like just straighten everything out and get to zero. So like take your desk and put like make everything, you know, sit on a grid, like close all your windows uh, on your computer, yeah. like go in your kitchen and line everything up. And it is amazing. It's a, that that's a really do. good hack, actually. Now that I yeah. think about it, it's like you spend two minutes doing that. You feel awesome. Yeah. And if you spend a minute or two doing that before you go to bed, when you wake up and walk into your house or your apartment and everything is like lined up and clean, yeah. it is a totally different way of like starting your day yeah, that's a great instead point. of you know like uh jumble like that is you a know, great point. my papers are everywhere it's yeah. like little things like it's that. almost yeah. like your environment reflects the state of mind that you're in too oh, so yeah. it's like you can yeah your environment is like a result of the way your brain is working mm -hmm. but you can kind of hack that loop by fixing everything in your environment which will then feed back to your brain of like oh we're orderly yeah now. it's you know, a little like, bit of both yeah, ways it's the right? other yeah exactly like yeah. it normally happens like the other way was like oh i'm just so busy and jumbled like i don't have time to clean so everything becomes jumbled in your environment because you can't clean up anything yeah but then if you clean up everything it could make your brain more right. ordered well it's kind of like that's I, really cool I, yeah. yeah i never yeah. thought about it like explicitly like that so but, little because i haven't read that book yet so, yeah yeah Teaser for the work clean episode, yeah. right? You guys will want to check in for that probably three weeks from now. I think we've got yeah, something like that. We got so a couple. Yeah, we got. Do we, do we say it or do we keep it a surprise? Uh, we can say it. We can say, yeah. So next week's principles. Yeah. And then do we know what we're doing after that? I don't think we do. Okay, so maybe it's after that. So maybe it's two weeks. Yeah. Which means I got to get that book. Work smart. Got to get the book. <laughs> it's a relatively quick read. Yeah. It looked, yeah. I mean, I've seen it's it. It's not too long. I've seen the book. Yeah. So. There's one idea that we brought up that we didn't like totally explore that I wanted to come back to, which. It took me a second to get it, but once you understand it, it's super useful, which is this idea with that if you lose an hour on the bottleneck, it's not just an hour on that part of the system, it's an hour on the whole system because yep. yep. the whole system's output is constrained by the bottleneck, yep. right? And that's like that's actually kind of like a scary, crazy, but also very useful realization once you internalize it. Because, you know, one like in a company, right? If everything has to go through one person, then if that one person can't work for an hour. The whole company can't work for yep. an hour. Right? Which is why crazy. decentralized management structure yeah. works, works so, so much well. better. Because otherwise, if it all flows through one person and like that person's time is not infinite, then every decision that they can't make in that given day just doesn't get done and everyone's waiting on them. Everyone's stuck. And this is another thing that I kind of learned from this book and then also from Work Clean is like how important it is to spend time making sure you're not a bottleneck. Because yeah. like, obviously, I mean, in creative work, like the kind we do, there aren't like these hard, fast it's bottlenecks in a lot of the same, same way. way. It's not like yeah. manufacturing where there's like a clear line everything goes through. And so everybody creates their own little bottlenecks with each other. There are going to be some macro ones. But like, I know that sometimes my deep work sessions where I pretty much try to be completely offline for the first half of the day, that can be a bottleneck for people, yeah. right? Where somebody on my team needs like just one little thing that right. would take me 10 seconds to do. Right. But then they can't work on like that whole project right, for that like they need three to do hours. three hours of. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, deliberately taking some time every morning 
to make sure you're not being a bottleneck to anything that I find is like really helpful for, you know, your output and other people's output too, for anybody you work with. I mean, on a very much related note, I find that like being a manager is kind of like your job is to remove your people's bottlenecks. Yeah. And that's like how you be a good man. It's like one way of being a good manager. Right. And you could be the bottleneck. That's totally possible. Or it could be something external, which you can then go help with too. So like, uh, and it's funny too. It's like, uh, sometimes the employees don't necessarily realize like what is an easy bottleneck to remove if Mm -hmm. they told you about it. So like there was someone who's on our sales team and he was like running into like the LinkedIn search limits and he was like getting kicked off every day. Right. Cause he was like doing, he's a, like a sales development rep. Right. And he was using LinkedIn a lot, pretty successful. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy with how he was doing it. And it was like one day I checked in with him in the afternoon and he was like, uh, I was like, Oh, so like, you know, how's it going today? And he's like, yeah, I got kicked off of LinkedIn again. I'm like, what are you like, What are you talking about? <laughs> again? And he's like, I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I ran into the, like the limit that happens like every day. And I was like, well, why haven't we talked about this? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's just like how their system works. Like you just can't uh, view more than like whatever. He didn't know the number, but he was just like some number of profiles every day. And I was like, yeah, that's on like the free account, but like we can get you the upgraded account because right. like that's a very easy bottleneck to solve. Yeah. But it's sometimes like people don't necessarily realize what's an easy bottleneck for you to remove. Cause like, of course, he's not gonna go spend his own money to like do that. But like, right. that's like my job as the manager to solve that problem for him. Yeah. Solve that problem. Yeah. And also, like, so it's like, it's that example that happened a few weeks ago. So it just made me a little more uh, proactive in trying to understand what are the bottlenecks. So it's like, since then, we've done a lot better job of just like adding metrics to everything. And then like, it's like, okay, so you, you know, added like 40 leads today or whatever, you know, whatever the number is or this week or something. Is there anything that like, what stopped you from adding 50? Like, is there anything that stopped you? And if the number is just, if it's simply like, I literally do not have time to do more. Okay. That's a, that's a great thing to know. Yeah. Cause then maybe it means you need to bring on one more person. But if it's like, Oh, like I ran out of minutes on my cell phone. That's a stupid example. But like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. if it's something like that, that can easily it's be fixable. solved by me. That's like my job then to fix that. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of need to do a few things before you get there. Like you need to have the metrics in place so you can actually surface this stuff. You need to have some type of dialogue going with people, mm-hmm. uh, especially in creative work that we do. Yeah. You need to have like that dialogue. Like you need factory. to have that openness too, yeah. where people will be comfortable voicing those problems. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like sometimes people will see a bottleneck as a failure. Yes, right? exactly. It's not their fault. It. No, it's, it's not, not it's nobody's fault. fault. Yeah. Like, and if you recognize them as good things, because it, it's, I mean, a bottleneck is a good thing. If you can find it, that's great. Because now you know what part of your business you have to improve right. in order right. to like move right. faster to grow. You know, what part of your life you have to improve. You know, it's like a lot of people's bottleneck is that they like don't. Okay, so you know this doesn't work for everybody, but for a lot of people, eating healthy is hard, but. What I find at least is that if I exercise, I just want to eat healthy. Right. And I don't really have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Whereas, it's the days where you don't do anything. It's the days where I don't do anything. Yeah. Those are the days I want to eat like shit. Yeah. Right. And so you can actually remove the like, I don't want to eat healthy bottleneck if you just go work out for right. 10 minutes, right. which yeah. I find to be like easier to do. Yeah. Right. It, so there's little things like that where you also might not even know that there is a way around the bottleneck that is like tangential to what you see as the main problem. Oh, actually, that's a really good point because I've heard from some people uh, like, okay, for pretty much everybody, if you drink a lot, then you want to go eat like super shitty food at the end of the night. Like, so some people get that more than others. So some Mm -hmm. people are like this, you know, they have like one beer and they want to eat horribly. There's actually a study, which I will find that basically proves that the beer belly thing is just a myth. It's a, it's not a myth in the macro. It's not, yeah, sorry. It's not a myth empirically. Mm -hmm. It is totally true that like people who drink beer tend to weigh more, like and be more overweight. 
But what it seems to be tied to is like the kind of food that you tend to eat while you're drinking beer. Makes if it's sense. in like a pub or like, you know, people who drink a lot of beer might be more likely to go get like pizza at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that type of stuff. I, I am one of those people, by the way. If no, I have one drink, I just Oreos. Like. You'll just go eat shit. Oh, yeah. Right. So somebody like that would then understand that their bottleneck is like, if they drink, mm-hmm. they know they're going to eat bad. Yeah. So the bottleneck is the drinking part. Well, I think we for some people it's past more, past some people it's not. Right. Like I figured out that I can control all of my bad habits if yep. I don't drink. Yeah. There you go. Because so that's a big, as, that's a big bit as, of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Me. Like yeah. as soon as I drink, <laughs> I want to eat like shit. I want to like have a cigarette. <laughs> I want to like sleep until noon. Right. I want to like just do everything bad. Yeah. Right? yeah but, so that's a great thing to know about yourself. Yeah. You know? It's a great so, thing to know about yourself. Yeah, I know for me, bottlenecks. for me, it's like if I, oh, this is maybe going to sound bad, but if I, if I sleep in too much, mm. like if I wake up at like, also my definition of sleep in is like not maybe the same as some other people. <laughs> Cause like I tend to wake up like six is like, I feel like, okay, I, that's like a good time to wake up. I'm naturally like an early to bed, like early ish. All right. So, so what, what time are we talking about waking up? Cause we're, <laughs> Oh, what time is like, what normal? time is bad? Yeah. Cause Oh, like nine, maybe like okay. eight thirty nine. Yeah. I feel I like, you're gonna shit say like rest- seven is bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like shit the rest of the day though. If I wake up at eight thirty or nine, especially if I went to sleep at a normal time, like if I went to bed around, like I normally go to bed around like 11 or 1130, maybe at the latest and wake up around like between 530 and six on like normal days. But if I went to bed at 1130 and woke up at like nine, I feel horrible. Oh yeah. Usually same. not like horrible and like I'm sick, horribly lazy. Yeah. Like I just don't want to do anything. It's like, uh, <laughs> right. So like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym now. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. I feel like one, I feel like the whole day has gotten away from me, mm-hmm. even though it obviously has it like nine is not really that late objectively. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the day's gotten away from me. I feel like I'm behind on everything. Then I just so I just feel like stressed because of that. Then I feel lazy. Like I'm like, eh, I don't need to work out today. And then doing that leads me to eating bad. Exactly. Which makes me feel worse. So. Or it leads you to like drinking more. Yep. And then you don't wake up again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so like like that, that cycle. Terrible cycle. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, no, knowing your bottlenecks. Uh and I can probably do a lot better job of like figuring out there's more bottlenecks that I just haven't identified. Yeah, I've got a few of those too. Cause like sleeping in late is definitely one of mine as well. You just feel better even if you skimp a little bit on sleep to wake up early like it might suck to get out of bed which it does like almost every day i'm like i want to this first few minutes it's like "Uh, why am i doing this so actually a good mental hack that i've come up with to get around that is that i will tell myself that if i still feel terrible in half an hour i can go back to sleep Mm. And that makes it so much easier to get out of bed. Yeah. Because then I'm like, all right, well, we'll we'll see if I feel better in half an hour. If yeah. I don't, and like I have a couple of times where yeah, I'm just sure. like, I'm so exhausted, like I have to go back to sleep. And there are days, but like, you're, you're at least like choosing to do it. exactly. Yeah. And most days, like let's be honest, yeah, like get out, days, and you're gonna be good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, it's just getting out of the bed when it's like so comfy and like. And I think the big difference too is like the difference between like greeting the day and like choosing to wake up yeah. versus like running out at the last second. Like yeah, I find that every time I have to run out of bed for something, it just like ruins the rest of my day. Yeah, because you just don't start it. Like it does. it's almost not like you chose for the day to exactly. start. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're no longer in control. You're just completely out of control. The day has been thrust upon you. Could also be that we do enjoy what we do for, you know, like I think that makes a big difference too. Well, but I feel like if you don't enjoy what you do, it'd be even more important. Yeah, right? no, that's what I'm saying. But if you don't enjoy what you do, Getting out of bed might be even harder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's definitely true. I just feel like I just don't want the day to start. Like, well, I, I, I was talking that. to somebody who said they made it way easier for themselves by getting into really good books and then putting them down at exciting parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was saying the way he trained himself to wake up early because he was like a big sci-fi fan yeah. is that he would read these sci-fi books and then they'd get to an exciting part and then he'd go to sleep. 
And then he would just like jump out of bed in the morning because he wanted to, to keep reading. Yeah. yeah. And probably do it with like TV shows too, maybe. Or yeah, like, like yeah. whatever gets you out of bed, right? Like that's such an easy way to start building the habit. And then hmm. like, I don't know, we're, we're so off on tangent now, but uh, I find Daisy- not, We're talking about bottlenecks. We're talking about bottlenecks. Yeah, it's still relevant. Related. I find like daisy chaining morning habits is so easy. Like explain that. So like I wake up and I make mushroom coffee and I read. And it's like my basic morning routine. Yeah. But I make regular coffee and I read. Yeah. <laughs> but so now I've added in like athletic greens. Oh, yeah. Right. There you go. But what I do is I put the athletic greens bottle on top of the mushroom coffee. Mm. So yeah. I can't get the coffee without having the athletic yep. greens first. Right. And that like makes me do it. And then adding in other things like actually making sure I brush my teeth every day because I've always been bad at that. Oh, right. Yeah. Or like throwing in meditating or whatever. Or like adding a morning routine. Right. Like you a morning review. Yep. Yeah, it's so easy to like tie it on. So that. I used to have a bad or sometimes still, if I forget to do this, have a bad habit of like, I'll wake up and check email. Oh, so yeah. what I do now is I actually put my book that I'm going to read in the morning. And this is a separate thing, but mm -hmm. like there's books that work better in the morning versus like later. Yeah. I, yeah. We'll talk about that later. That's not even a that's so far of a tangent. We're just going to skip it right now. <laughs> um, but I put the book that I want to read that next morning mm -hmm. on top of my computer. Smart. So like I literally can't open up my computer without moving the book out of the way. And then I'm never going to like check my email if the book is on top of my computer. Yeah. I'll just be like, I definitely should read this first. Yeah. Before I, it's like, you know, you shouldn't be on email right now. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> nobody needs me at 6 a.m. Yeah. I can take an hour to read. Although like I, I have people like oh, true with way ahead, hinge. but yeah. no, but we have our schedule figured out now. Okay. That's I try to solve the bottlenecks that hopefully would pop up in the morning the night before. And then, yeah. So like when I go to bed, it's the middle of the night for them. So when they wake up, they have it and we're usually able to solve things that way. So yeah, I still try to keep like at least the first hour like computer free, sometimes more successfully than others. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody wants more on this whole like using bottlenecks for personal life stuff, that Tiago Forte article I mentioned, the series of them, this is sort of what it's all about, but applying it to creative work. Um, which so, is really, I think a lot of people- Which is where a lot of people would use are, it today. Especially yeah. from, yeah, when this book was written, it was the 80s. So I think maybe- More factory work. Yeah. There's some office stuff. Like yeah. they have computers in here, quote unquote computers, but- Robots. Yeah, like robots and machines. <laughs> so honestly, if you read it and internalize and understand the ideas, it becomes pretty obvious where you would apply them in your own life. I guess like the other things they talk about are just more little like finer details around exactly what you do with bottlenecks. And to be clear, bottlenecks and constraints are basically the same thing. Yeah. He he changes the terminology from bottleneck to constraint at the end because they're recognizing that bottleneck makes sense in like a manufacturing capacity. Right, but not necessarily. But not necessarily in like a creative or like managerial or other capacity. Yeah, constraint so probably is the term constraint that makes a little more easier. Sense. Yeah. Although it also, um, I mean, I know we mentioned this at the beginning, but like to even identify what the bottleneck is mm. you really need to clearly identify the goal yeah right that's true like otherwise it's kind of like what you won't know what the bottleneck is you won't right. know what's the dependent step that right. everything gets held up on because you don't know what the final output is supposed to be yeah and you could really easily optimize for the wrong thing right 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 so you kind of need to start with like what am i actually trying to do and then it's hard yeah which is hard because it would be easy to take a theory like this and then immediately run and apply it to whatever you're already going after. Right. But if you're sort of going after the wrong thing, then well, that's where you can go down like the life hack rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're optimizing six minutes here and five minutes here, but then it's like, what are we optimizing this for? So we can watch like an extra episode <laughs> of like some show on Netflix. Maybe if that's maybe, cool, yeah. that's like, you know, maybe you don't have time to do that right now. And you're like, man, I really wish I could watch like get up Game on of Stranger Thrones. Things. Or yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. 
so yeah, but it's just like, that's for each individual person to figure out, you know, it could be, they want to spend more time with their family. It could be, they want to read in the, you know, whatever it is that they want to do. You just got to like identify what, like, what's the purpose? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess this isn't, he spent a decent amount of time on that in the book. There was like a good, like 40, 50 pages in the beginning, just trying to figure out what is the purpose of his plan. Yeah, exactly. Like what like, is the, ultimate what are we goal? doing? <laughs> right. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, that's why it's helpful to have those super macro goals in one sense, right? Yeah. Where it's like, well, you know, does this actually help us make money, right? Because when you just think about it from those three variables or from the throughput inventory expenses variables, like that will work most of the time for a business, I think. Yeah. And, think you so. know, for like a person, you could probably refactor it a bit, right? Well, and it's just a little uh, harder with like non-business things. Yeah. It's doable. I mean, these Concepts still definitely apply, but it's a little bit harder because like, at least for businesses, money is sort of like the metric and money is a weird thing. It's like, there's obviously everyone has like some emotional relationship with money, but then money is also like, you hear people say like, oh, money's a scorecard and tend to like roll your eyes. But it really is in this case. It's like your system is working if you are increasing those three key metrics, which was like net profit, ROI, ROI. and uh, and then cash flow. Yeah. That's like the goal. Right. is to do that. And money is like the way you're tracking those things. And for your, you know, someone else's system, it might be like page views. It might be like engagement. It might be like, it, yeah, there might be some other like, set of figuring out what those metrics are for you. Right. That's a good point. I'll, yeah, I guess because it can get dangerous though. It could get dangerous, but, right? But you, you need some way of measuring like, it though. You definitely yeah, need some way of measuring. I guess the hardest thing is like being honest with right. yourself too, right? Yeah. Because there's, a, and like attribution and stuff makes it so hard, right? Yeah. Like I think about. Some things are qualitative, I guess. You could do them qualitative. Yeah, some things are very qualitative. Like what we were just talking about with like alcohol or something being uh, your constraint for like eating well or like your bad habits. Like, Well, I was, I was even thinking more like in a business perspective, yeah. right? Like uh, Buffer, the social media tool. I don't remember. Maybe I signed up for like an annual package for their plus plan or something and they they shipped me like a little thank you letter okay. right and it had some stickers and all this oh, like, you nice. know fun stuff and it was really cute right yeah. but that's like a perfect example of something where there's basically no way to attach a monetary value to that right like that's that is point. pretty much a pure loss yeah. and so if you were just optimizing for the three variables there's really no reason you would include that unless you have like demonstrable reason that it decreases churn or yes, increases so. referrals right? right okay like to be fair i'm here talking you're about talking about it. about it on a podcast now. yeah i'm talking about it on a podcast right so like <laughs> hey free promo for buffer <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's also not an ad. Yeah, it's also not an ad. We're right? not but, doing a good job of this. Yeah, we really got to start charging. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to start. Is we have no idea what we're going to say before we get yeah, on the exactly. podcast. <laughs> we have our outlines, which if you subscribe to the, the uh, newsletter, you will get access get to. Our, get our outlines. At madeyouthinkpodcast.com. Anyway, yeah. promo over. <laughs> uh, but besides those outlines, we have no idea what tangents we're going to go That's true. On. Yeah, they're completely unplanned. So, so. <laughs> it's really hard to like call Buffer. or We like, just need affiliate deals with like every company we've ever every used. Every company in the world. <laughs> I saw an article about, yeah. <laughs> we got to start talking about higher ticket products though. Yeah. Right? Like camera equipment. Uh, oh, tiny what? homes. You know, you can I order tiny homes cars. on Amazon. Yeah, cars. Yeah, well, Elon I Musk love, for like the Tesla episode. Yeah, I love, which, I love my, my Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk episode. Elon Musk episode. Uh, trips to Mars. <laughs> That's a high ticket purchase. Commission on yeah. <laughs> Probably going to be like a million dollars to start. Yeah. So, hey, you only Solid. sell a couple of those a year. You've got a very profitable podcast. Anyway, I suppose okay, we should actually yeah. go through the steps of identifying the yeah. constraint in the system. So uh, the way he describes it here, the first step is to identify the system's constraint, right? So what is the bottleneck? What's the Herbie? What's holding everything up? 
decide how to exploit the system's constraint. So I found like exploit kind of confusing, but as I understand it, it's how do you get the absolute most out of yeah, I think that's what, what you have right now, right? Yeah. So in the Herbie case, it's taking all of his pack gear off so that he can walk as fast as possible. Yeah. The machine, it's running at 24 hours a day, so right. a week. And that's different than like training Herbie to walk faster right. <laughs> or losing weight or something. Right, like, right. That's like a totally different. It's like you have this system. This is what or, it like, is. You have this piece right yeah, now. This like, is what it is. What is the absolute most you can get out of it? It's like the equivalent in a, in a creative business like ours would be like, you have this employee. Mm-hmm. How do you get the most output out of this employee? Maybe down the road, you want to hire somebody right. else. But right now, this is what you have. So like, how do Given you maximize that? time constraints. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Then subordinate everything else to the above decisions. So as I understood it, it means like adjusting whatever else you can in the system to allow the constraint to go even faster. Yeah. Right. Or I think, so I took this more to like uh, minimizing inventory where it's like, if you have everyone else working faster than the constraint, it's oh, you're just right. going to be pointless. Yeah. Kind so of it's like, making sure that nobody's going faster than the constraint. If, so like in the Herbie all, case, it's putting everybody behind her. Right. Exactly. That's how I took, that's what I meant, by, or not what I meant, what the, I think the author meant from uh, yeah. subordinate because it, you're kind of, otherwise you're just building up inventory in the plant environment. Yeah. If you have like people, I don't know, doing the steps before the constraint and they're working super fast and then it's just piling up right in front of the, the bottleneck. Yeah. And then elevate the systems constraint, exactly. which is okay. Now how do we either hire someone or put in another machine yep. or give upgrade the equipment or be a bike. Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> like, give them a boosted board, yeah, boosted board. <laughs> Another shout out. There we go. Yeah, man, we got to stop mentioning products. You know? <laughs> well, boosted boards on Amazon. So we can at least uh, yeah, we can slap an affiliate that. link yes. on there. If one person buys it, we'll make a whole 15 bucks. So. <laughs> uh, and then basically if any of the previous steps have created a new constraint, or broken something, you have to go back to step one and start all over. So if now Herbie is like jetting away on his boosted board and every other kid is going really slowly, now the next slowest kid has to go to the front of the line, pick off his pack, everybody walks behind him, and eventually they're all on boosted boards. So it actually makes you, for some reason when you just said that, that made something really click where it's like, okay, think about like the plant environment. If you bought like, like if you have all machinery that's like 20 years old or something, and then you bought like one piece of like kick-ass, really good machinery that's going to work like 10x faster than everything else, it's probably not going to be that great for the overall system. No, it'll be like a 10% improvement <laughs> yeah, because nothing else can move as quickly as it. Right. Exactly. Well, that was the problem they had in the beginning. Yep. Was they had all these new machines and like nothing else can keep up with them. Yep. And so they were just churning out extra product and building up inventory because yep. they had to keep them occupied. Right. Exactly. Because right? that was the ridiculous. efficiency part. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that would be like if you got like... I don't know. Let's say in your case, you got a kick-ass like copywriter mm-hmm. or something, but like, or maybe it's not, that's not true in your case because you already have clients before, but maybe your publishing schedule might only be like one article a week or something. Right. And somebody's writing like 10 articles a week. Yeah. <laughs> just like building them up, saving them, Yo. like getting ready to go. I mean, yeah. I actually think this is where for certain types of work, hourly or per product contracting make way more sense than salary. Yeah. I totally Because agree with that. Yeah. like, unless you have so much work that you just can't source it out, like, you're going to have people who are getting paid salaries who just like don't have anything to do right. 30, 40% of the what time. what I think happens in a lot of cases with people with salaries. Oh yeah. I mean, like, we, we both have friends who work at like big companies <laughs> who probably only need to work like 20% of their day. Right. The rest of the day, they're like waiting on somebody else. Although or, there is like the counter argument, which is uh, actually a Taleb post, mm-hmm. which you've seen that one probably, right? The one, I think it's like how to like legally own oh, someone. Yeah, how to legally own someone. I think yeah. that's the post. Yeah. Uh, 
like there is sort of a like tail risk to not having somebody on salary. Exactly. But in most instances, it's not, it doesn't matter. But yeah. like, if they're, if they're a hyper valuable person, exactly. it would be hard so to that's replace. His, right. Exactly. Like his, his example was like the pilot when you really want to leave. Yeah. Is like, if you have a pilot who's under contract and then somebody just pays him more than you can pay him, yeah. the pilot's going to go over there. Whereas if they're a salaried, then like they work for you. It, but um, it doesn't make sense to like keep a driver when you can just use Uber. Uber. Right, right. Exactly. Because now there's an alternative. Because now there's an alternative. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, it's like, that makes total sense. And I think about that for my own work too, yeah. right? Like I would much rather have independent projects with people than like just have one company like paying a fixed rate and oh, yeah. you can only work for them. Because like on an individual level, that's frustrating too, mm-hmm. right? And I guess this is part of the argument in the book or that they're running up against is that if you're being employed by the company, like you should be working, right? Right, and which is also important to remember like the counterpoint to that as a manager. It's like, if your people aren't working, it's very easy to be like, oh, we're paying them for something. Yeah. That's if they're salaried. Right. Then it matters. But if it's like on a per project basis and they're getting their output done, like that's one thing I love about salespeople. It's just like their payment is so tied to their output that it's like you don't even need to tell them that, hey, you should be working. Because like if they're not working, you know that there's like a legitimate reason for it because they're they're not getting paid much if they're not getting right. or if anything, <laughs> if they're not working. So it's just like so clear the relationship between their compensation and their work. Whereas it's not the same case for like every type of employee. I think that's where it gets tricky. But also like you, I mean, the way I would think about it is, and this might actually be a benefit of doing something like, I don't think they do it anymore, but remember when Google used to do the 20% time Mm, where you spent like 20% of your time at Google working on other projects. One benefit to doing that might be that that creates a certain amount of employee slack where they will be able to be staffed on something yeah. in an emergency if necessary. Because yep, they have that 20 Because they have that slack built oh, in. that's genius. Yeah. yeah. Like, I wonder I, why they got rid of that. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. If anybody knows, like, or if there's an article that someone wrote. Yeah, we'd have to look. I, I think they got rid of it. I could be wrong about that, too. But that, I had heard they got rid of it. Yeah, um, I heard they got rid of it, too. Because, okay. yeah. yeah, I wrote a, I was linking to something about 20% time in a blog post. And then I saw that they don't do it anymore. Yeah, well, Google's Google's not a fun company anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the take, whole don't do over. evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so I feel don't like. Don't be evil, I guess. Don't be evil, yeah. But, yeah, so like, it, it's actually fine if employees aren't being engaged all the time. Because then. When you do need them for something, they're there. Whereas like the problem they had in the beginning was that because everybody was always doing something, they were never available when right. they were needed for short-term and then, things. So something happened for a short-term emergency. Everyone had to stop what, stop they, were doing. what they were doing, right? <laughs> everything else got messed up. Yep. So some slack in the system. Yep. Good thing. Yeah, for sure. Any um, any last wrap-up thoughts here? Last wrap-up thoughts. Um first off, everyone should pick up a copy of the goal. Yeah, definitely that. Uh, definitely I was going to say, think about what your goal is. I think that's mm-hmm. also super valuable. Yeah. Th- and think seriously about it too. Like it should be, I've kind of moved away from smart goals. I feel like they're overly simplistic and I don't, any system that can what be are smart goals? like specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and timely. Oh, that. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's like the acronyms. Yeah. The acronym. Yeah. I, so I, this is like a very Talebian thing, but I no longer trust anything that can be described in <laughs> an, an acronym, acronym. <laughs> <laughs> because if it can be simplified to like, Oh, the ABCs. And also whatever, like if you right? ever tried making an acronym, like you end up force fitting something. Exactly. You're like, yeah, Oh, we yeah. need something for a C. Right. Uh, it's always going to be a, like a backronym. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Where it's like, all right, how do we spell the word smart? Yeah. Right? Uh, so just like good life, life advice. Don't trust acronyms <laughs> that make, uh, make fancy words, make nice words. Right. Yeah. It should be, it's just like, 
if, if it's actually a good system, it won't fit into a nice <laughs> box like that. But no, you know, being honest about the goal, right? Where it's like, on the one hand, he might have wanted to say, oh, you know, our goal is to be like the best plant, right? Or like to produce the best widgets or like have the happiest employees. And it's like, okay, those are nice things to have. But really, you know, like the ultimate goal of the company is that it has to make money, right? right? That's how uh, you're measuring it. So yeah. yeah. So I feel like having a total macro goal for yourself might be hard, but in individual instances. Yeah, different systems that you're a part of, basically, right? So like, yeah, I guess so maybe the first step is identify what systems you're a part of, right? Whether that's your relationships, whether that's your company or company you work for, your nutrition and fitness, like that's a system, your time, that's a system, like all this, like any system that you are maybe struggling with or that you care about, maybe start identifying like what are those systems? Yeah, what are they? yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what your honest goal is in each yeah, of them. Yeah, in each one, right. Yeah. And then that may be a good place to start. And then, of course, you can get to, like, what are the bottlenecks and yeah. what's stopping me from improving. And Yeah, so I would definitely say figure out your goal. Read the book, to, though. I think yeah. the concepts will make uh, – hopefully we're making some sense. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it makes even more sense in the context of the story. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, we've, like, talked a little bit about the plot. But, like, I think the plot just does a really good job of making these concepts stick in your brain. Right. Yeah, and it was an enjoyable read, and it's not it's not that long of a book. It's no, like, it's I mean it's it's like three hundred fifty pages, but it but it, flows. it moves really yeah. fast, and it's very dialogue heavy. Right, so it's like pretty quick clip and lots like of spacing. Yeah, there's funny parts. <laughs> like obviously the whole Herbie scene is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's if your name is Herbie and you're uh, a little overweight, we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry, Herbie. <laughs> Blame the book. The millions of listeners. I'm sure there's at least one <laughs> Herbie. Yeah, one Herbie out there, but. Yeah, so maybe one of you will buy a boosted board on Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go to majorthinkpodcast.com to get the show notes. Subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter. We'll send out the book ahead of time. Send out the books ahead Give of you time. The outlines. Give you the outline. You'll get access to some of the giveaways that we're going to be doing. Giveaways. Slash are doing. Are maybe. Doing. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun that we're recording this like a month before anybody yeah. hears it. Well, that's our slack in our system. Exactly. We, so have we, f- we haven't created any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time you're hearing. <laughs> this, this is our Don't commitment device. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we put well. I guess I'm gonna mention this part anyway. Yeah, go for <laughs> in it. The, in emergen- in the emergency episode, which if you're listening to, hopefully oh, yeah. you've gone to the show notes and looked at our bug out bags and looked at all our <laughs> yeah, oh, all God, our things. Okay. As of this recording, which is on a Friday, we haven't done any of those things, and that yeah, episode comes out on Tuesday. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to go buy our supplies this weekend. Like this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, on my to do list for yeah, three weeks. Now. <laughs> but that's why we have Slack in the system. Exactly. Yeah, that's why we have Slack. In the why we Slack in the system? Yep. So uh, yeah, no. I mean, uh, go do that. Tell a friend. Leave a review. Leave a review. Only if you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying yeah, exactly. it, don't leave a review. I don't know why you're even listening at this point in the episode <laughs> yeah. if you don't enjoy it. But there's just some really angry person who <laughs> yeah. doesn't know how to like turn off their podcast. Yeah. App. <laughs> They're just stuck through the entire like made you think <laughs> list of episodes. Oh man. Uh, anyway, leave a review. Yeah, tell your friends, friends. Post about it online. Talk to us on Twitter if we're getting this completely wrong or if you enjoyed it or whatever. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Send us any other books you think would be great to do. Yeah. Show notes, reviews, everything. I think we're good. I think we said yeah. that all enough now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's everything. I think it's everything. Yeah. Go read the book. And until next time. See you next week.